You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Am I excited about the 12th of December? Not particularly. The time for protest is over. It's time for leadership. And that is what this government provides. In every town and village in this country, Labour will be there giving a message of real hope where this government offers nothing. People have a very clear choice. If they want Brexit, they can vote for Labour or the Conservatives or the Brexit Party. And if they want to stop Brexit, they need to vote for the Liberal Democrats. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. Good afternoon, I'm Roger Hearing. So there we go. Boris Johnson was hoping today it was going to be about the start of the election season. He was going to go to the Queen, notify her of dissolution, launch that Tory campaign this evening. But everything changed, didn't it, Roger? It hasn't been a great 24 hours, even 48 hours, really, for the Tory party, because you've got Jacob Rees-Mogg making his comment about the Grenfell Tower fire, saying that if people had common sense, they would have left, despite what the fire service said. He's rolled that back, of course. But then you had Andrew Bridgen, uh, another member of the ERG, saying what he was talking about was saying that he had a better sense, and he does indeed have better sense than perhaps the fire brigade. And again, Andrew Bridgen's had to walk that one back as well. You've got the Welsh Secretary Alan Cairns being called on to resign because of someone he knew being involved with the collapse of a rape case. It's not good. And then you had this faked video of the shadow Brexit secretary, Keir Starmer, appearing to hesitate before answering a key question. Wasn't true. But the more it gets talked about, of course, the more it gets aired. I'm pleased to say joining us is Labour candidate and shadow equalities minister, Naz Shah. Naz, welcome to the programme. You will no doubt have failed to see the front page of the Daily Telegraph today. Um, I'll read it out to you. The tragedy of the modern Labour Party, Boris Johnson says, is that they detest the profit motive so viscerally, they point their fingers at individuals with a relish and a vindictiveness not seen since Stalin persecuted the kulaks. Um, going back to that point about profit motive, is this something you recognise? Is Labour really this anti-business? We've been able to demonstrate that when we did the last election, which was only just two years ago, um, when we're talking about what we have to offer for businesses, for you know, regional banking, all of that stuff that was in our last manifesto. I'm really looking forward to having our new manifesto so I can go out and campaign on it. But and Labour is the party for business. We've shifted that. But that's an, that's an old uh, narrative that the Tory party keep wanting to re- reiterate and it's not going to work. It's not going to wash. What about this reporting in the Financial Times that the Cabinet Secretary, Mark Sedwell, is blocking, or not allowing at least, the Chancellor to publish cost analysis, his cost analysis of Labour policies. When we get this manifesto, can we expect this all to be fully costed? Because there have been some big financial claims, particularly around nationalisation, that the CBI has had a crack at, and they've come out with some pretty big numbers. Well, if we look, to, if we look at our history, in our last manifesto, they were costed. I don't see why we shouldn't have them costed. Unlike the, unlike the Tories, when they went, you know, if we look at what the Tories have done in the last 10 years to our economy, through austerity, what we 
know, the, the idea that we're putting 20,000 police officers back on the street. These are the police officers that were there. This is not, this, this, there's no new thing that the Tory party lost. But now, the argument we hear against Labour time and time again is that they don't have a grip on the finances. It's all spend, spend, spend. For us, we have a fully costed manifesto last time. I don't see why we wouldn't have one this time. And we have to spend because we've had 10 years of austerity. We have waiting lists. We have, if you look at the state of the NHS, where, what has austerity done? Even with Brexit austerity around the corner, we know there's going to be a financial impact. Can you afford to do that? If we're talking about Brexit, you know, we, we, we are very, very absolutely clear in saying, look, let's get go, go out to the people, talk about the general stuff as well, not just about Brexit, but about the, the stuff that we've, we've not talked about, which is our home, home issues, the economics of our public sector, you know, what, what we need to invest in, what, what, you know, the rise of food banks, the rise of in-work poverty, the rise of, you know, zero-hour contracts, the exploitation of people. We need to talk about all of these things, and then we'll come back, we'll also talk about Brexit, and we will go out and get a new deal for Brexit. Well, you know, the Keir Starmer video that's been, uh, we were talking, I was just listening to earlier, that's been adopted by the... Um, Conservative Party to, to look at a certain way, you know, there was, if, you, if you're confident about how you're delivering Brexit, there wouldn't be the need for the Tory party to go out and do things N- like this. Let me ask you about one of the key issues that affects a lot of people uh, in terms of Brexit. It's the reason a lot of people, perhaps Labour supporters, w- voted for Brexit back in the referendum, and that was to do the freedom of movement. Will Labour keep EU freedom of movement or not? We, what Labour is campaigning, what Labour is saying is, look, let us go back. Let us go back without the red line. Let us, campaign, let, let us renegotiate and come back with the best deal for the public, for Britain, and then put it back to the people. But now that's frankly unrealistic. Brexit in six months and Juncker himself of the EU saying he doesn't think this is realistic. This will be the third renegotiation. The EU is going to be fed up of this. Well, the EU are fed up and everybody's fed up because we've had three years of negotiations by a, a Tory, Tory government that drew red lines before they even started negotiating. You know, we've had, we, we, we've had, we've had been in Parliament, we've had three five ministers. You know, we've had so many changes in that, in that cabinet. All they've spent their three years on was bickering, infighting and an internal civil war. Okay. If we, if, if, if we really, really want to, we, I, I absolutely have the confidence, and Keir Starmer said that this morning, you know, we have the confidence to go out and say, look, we want to renegotiate, and the reason and the reason we'd be in a better position is because we're not doing it and got some red lines to begin with. Now, let me bring you on to another aspect of infighting, which reflects on the Labour Party. What about anti-Semitism? You're going into an election where the Labour and against anti-Semitism group says the fit party is unfit to be in government. The, the JLM, the Jewish Labour Movement chair, says in the Jewish Chronicle from murals and wreaths to Livingston and Walker and Williamson, there are too many shameful examples to list, damning evidence of the moral side from a party that fights intolerance to one that tolerates casual racism against Jews. You, you're the shadow minister for, for equalities. How do you respond to that? It, it, it's on record. My, my response to the anti-Semitism crisis, I, you know, I was the MP that had the suspension because of my own um, tweets that came to light. And I absolutely um, have, you know, been on my journey and talked to the Jewish community. And I want, and it's not right for the party to be in a position where they are not the absolute natural party for the Jewish community. And we have made efforts and have reassurances that the complaint procedure has been overhauled since Jenny Formby has come in. And we're, you know, right now, 
we have, it is not right, it is absolutely not a, a brilliant place to be when we, we've got an investigation with the HRC. But I am absolutely convinced that the party has the, uh, the commitment at the top to address these issues. Should Chris Williamson be allowed to stand for Labour? Chris Williamson, is, that's, in, that's a discussion that the NEC are having this morning. My understanding is... What do you think? That decision. But I, on, on, a, on a... Look, the NEC has made that position clear. Chris Williamson has lost the battle against the NEC. And I think it would be unfair to make any, any, any speculation about the NEC and its business, particularly, literally, as we speak. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists... But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's dive into these papers. Now I've got a piece from the Daily Mail today. Dominic Sandbrook, the historian, says, How odious that holier-than-thou Jeremy Corbyn is silent on the racists standing for his own party. He talks about Emily Thornberry, the shadow foreign secretary. He says she's so keen to talk about what Dominic Cummings did when he was a student. After all, the last thing she wants to talk about is Labour's dementedly destructive plan for our economy, let alone the colossal unprecedented security risk of having Jeremy Corbyn in Downing Street. This, he says, is rank hypocrisy but it's also ruthlessly cynical politics. For, as she well knows, Labour did much better than expected in 2017 because they were always seen as faintly comical outsiders. From her point of view, the less people talk about Jeremy Corbyn's record, the better. This time, he says, things must be different. Whatever you think about Brexit, the most sensible people are just desperate to get it over with. The fact is that in this election, there's only one genuine glaring risk to Britain's national security and economic prosperity, and that, needless to say, is Jeremy Corbyn. That's on the Daily Mail. I'm sure that will ring uh, true with their readers, at least. Uh, it's an incendiary language there from Dominic Sandbrook. I'm looking at the eye. The headline is that Boris Johnson is going to drop a pledge to cut tuition fees to 7500 from the Tory manifesto. This is we wait for those manifestos to be published currently in the works. Uh, the report says that according to Tory sources, Party HQ is eager to keep tuition fees off the agenda. They think the anger over student debt has blown over in the public eye. Another party that will be hoping that is, of course, the Liberal Democrats. Well, they do have what you might call history on that one. They do, of course, <laughs> bringing this in while they were under coalition and the Lib Dems, of course, had promised not to do this. So that uh, leaves some anger in the past. Let me bring you a Daily Mirror editorial, which is uh, really concerning the issue that's been absolutely dominating the agenda in the last 24 hours, which, of course, Jacob Rees-Mogg's comments about the Grenfell fire victims. They say, by accusing the Tower Block's residents of lacking common sense, the Cabinet Minister betrays his contempt for the public. Another such moment is an outraged rape victim demanding the resignation of Welsh Secretary Alan Kins. I should add, Alan Kins has now, in fact, resigned. The backlash against Tories who care for little people, the Daily Mirror says, leaves Boris Johnson, a Prime Minister out of touch himself, 
himself looking more cynical than ever with his endless false Brexit promises. Rees-Mogg's callousness wasn't just about Grenfell, it exposed an arrogant Conservative Party mindset sneering at ordinary folk and blaming them for the effects of the Tories' own ideology of deregulation and austerity. And sticking with the Tories, I've got a story from Conservative Home, the blog, uh, that Rupert Harrison, out of the running in devises. This is Claire Perry's old seat, and there have been some big names as possible Tory candidates. Downing Street advisor Danny Kruger still in the running. Uh, we're going to find out on Saturday just what the result is. Rupert Harrison, of course, was the former uh, advisor to George Osborne, who since has been at BlackRock, so no stranger to Downing Street. You're keeping up with all these links, of course. Of course. I, I, th- these are fascinating people within the machine who could come out as MPs. Um, I loved Harry Cole from the, uh, the, the Mail on Sunday on Twitter reporting how things are all kicking off. We've had some leaks of an annotated CV of Danny Kruger, he reports, and some of it is pretty savage. I encourage oh you to check it out. Uh, which, which of us would want our CVs exposed, to be honest? Right, let's uh, talk about the parties, because one of the parties, the Green Party, is launching its campaign today. They're pledging to end big and rid the UK of fossil fuels. They're launching their campaign with a promise to borrow more than £900 billion over the next decade. Co-leader Jonathan Bartley explained what it will be spent on. Creating good jobs right around the country, decarbonising our economy and tackling rampant inequality. And of course we know that the more we clean up our polluting air, for example, the greater the benefit for the health service. But if you ask voters, Brexit is by far and away the biggest concern ahead of December's poll. That's at least according to Ipsos Mori. Their September survey found that Brexit was the most important issue by more than half of voters. No other topic was mentioned by more than 3%. So let's get into this. Let's join now Ben Page, the chief executive of Ipsos Mori. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. Um, so Brexit then, the most important issue. Uh, this doesn't bode well for the Greens who are trying to move it away and indeed for Labour. No, I mean, Labour's position is generally regarded as confusing by the voters, and obviously they're behind in the polls. Uh, I mean, the challenge will be what happens during the campaign. You know, we used to say that campaigns in Britain change nothing. We would cite 2010 where the opinion polls one month before the campaign were pretty much mirrored in the end result in 2010. The 2017 election changed all that, and we saw a massive surge uh, in the Labour vote in a way that people like me were not anticipating. The Labour Party is hoping that once the broadcasting rules, which kick in from today, take place and they get the same amount of coverage or much more coverage in the media, that they will see the same sort of Lazarus-like resurrection for both themselves and their leader, Jeremy Corbyn, and they can talk about the issues they want to talk about, which are about the state of the public realm, public services, uh, and taxing the rich. But we will, I mean, basically, we're going to see. We don't know yet exactly how this will play out. But one of the interesting things of the last uh, 24, 48 hours, Ben, is, is that a lot of the issues that have uh, played against the Conservatives, apparently, aren't Brexit issues at all. It's the ones to do with the, the class and race issue, of course, to do with Grenfell. There's this scandal going on in Wales, seeing the resignation of a, of a minister there. Uh, we're seeing, I suppose, if you like, the old politics resurfacing. Well, absolutely. And remember, you know, although Brexit is the number one sort of policy issue that's there, people vote with their emotions and they vote on, we think they vote on three things. They vote on the policy and that's not just about Brexit. It is also, will I be better off or worse off with this party? What's going to happen to my local hospital and the NHS? But also they're voting um, on their, their feelings about the leaders of the parties who are important and they're voting on their innate feelings about the parties. And one, what you've just highlighted is that the Conservatives had a bad start to the campaign. 
it would appear, because, of course, they are, they are actually the least popular party. Um, so people don't like the Conservative Party in the same way that they like the Labour Party. They just don't think the Labour Party is very competent. But being reminded about the Conservatives being out of touch or the party of the rich isn't a good look. And, you know, in the same way that the 2017 campaign turned out very badly for the Conservatives in a way that everybody was surprised, and most pundits in all parties didn't believe that they could run a campaign that was as bad again, it hasn't been a good start in the last 48 hours. Uh, ben, let's get nerdy. I've been doing a lot of reading about MRP, multi-level regression and post-stratification, <laughs> a, a polling model. Can you explain for yeah. the layman or indeed the laywoman what, what it does and, and how it works? Well, there are lots of different models, but effectively what it's trying to do is look at individual constituencies and the situation in those individual constituencies, a whole load of factors. I mean, we, are, we will be publishing something on our own one during the campaign. I can announce it as an exclusive on uh, Bloomberg Radio now. And um, what it does is look at things like what happened in that constituency last time. You can then do the very crude thing of applying national swing, which, of course, leads to all sorts of crazy outcomes. So what you're trying to do is build in other data so you might have polling data for every constituency or some polling data for every constituency. And so you're modeling, using regression modeling and probabilistic techniques, you are producing local results, which is really, really important in Britain because the actual share of the percentage share of the vote cast does not guarantee that that percentage will turn up in the House of Commons. Ben, the key, the key point about British politics. Ben, forgive me. Uh, isn't this? This sounds a bit like some some desperate people, pollsters, realizing what happened so many times. It seems in recent days, in recent years, uh, that put you in the position where you weren't coming up with the goods. Now reaching to something with a, a scientific-sounding title to try and get it right. I mean, is that really what's going on here? No, not at all. I mean, first of all, um, if you look at the if you look at Professor Will Jennings' long term analysis of the accuracy of opinion polls since 1942, no less. This is a man who studies nothing else. Uh, opinion polls in in Britain and around the world are no better and no worse than they were 30 or 40 years ago. In May of this year, of course, yours truly is the most accurate pollster in Britain in predicting the European election results with an average error of 0.75 for each party's share of the vote, 0.75%, so less than 1% out. So polling isn't uh, doomed, and the MRP isn't a desperate attempt, but it is, it is a modelling device. There were some successful uh, attempts made last time. We didn't necessarily believe them until we did it uh, as an industry, but we were able to actually predict constituency-level results with some accuracy. So, no, it's, it's another way of looking at a very complex situation. It's, it certainly isn't perfect, but it's... Um, the, the power of computing now means that we can start to use all sorts of data. There are some models that are being produced that will use 600 different types of data. So yeah. what's been, what are people talking about on social media in the constituency? I, I, what's the media coverage been like? All this sort of thing is worth simple polls. I suppose that the problem, though, Ben, even with all this, and I take it all on board that you know the efforts that are being made are considerable, in the end you've got the same problem we identified last time, that people might lie to you. You've got the shy Tory vote. No, the Tories the aren't very popular. Thing, they might not tell you what they're voting to vote. Well, the, the, you know, that's always the challenge. As I say, we managed to deal with any potential lying in European elections, it appears, very, um, very easily. We refine our attempts every time. We really don't think lying is a big problem. The big problem for pollsters is if you're interviewing people about an election on Thursday and you're speaking to them on the Tuesday and the Wednesday, out of every thousand people you speak to, 
So 300 of those 1,000 people we know empirically are very unlikely to vote. And the challenge is that we always get more or less people telling us going to vote than actually do. And it's this it's differential, what's called differential turnout remains, as well as accurate examples, that we think we, we, we've got reasonably under control. The actual turnout is the problem. Will those people who support Jeremy Corbyn actually go out and vote? Or similarly, you know, and that's, that's the big question. That's been the big upset um, in, in polling the last few years. Is, you know, we didn't believe people in the referendum, for example. We chose not to believe them when they told us they were going to vote. People who never normally voted, and of course they did. Um, but politically, ele- political elections rather than referendums should be easier. Right. You can talk to me again after December the 12th. <laughs> Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.